Does everything have a bright side to it? Of course. It doesn't always outweigh the negatives, but everything has a bright side to it. This makes happiness a choice. And here we say that the discipline of being happy is the ultimate discipline. With that said, welcome to the Ultimate Discipline Podcast, where we meet with people who are practitioners of this exact discipline, and we hear their cool stories of cultivating happiness through challenges in their life. I am your host, Sean Greenspan. Let's get to it. Let's do this thing. Let's do it. I am so happy to have you, Mike, on my podcast today. I think it's a topic, the topic that you're a master at is a topic I think a lot of people um, are, are curious about. I'd say potentially confused. I could put myself in both of those categories. And for those that don't know, Mike is a master, I'm calling him a master, <laughs> at investing for freedom. And what I like about uh, his word choice and his intention behind this is we're in, he's talking about investing for freedom, right? To be able to live a higher quality life, not to have a Lamborghini and a fancy watch, but to have better relationships, experiences, and things like that. So I am absolutely stoked to have you on, Mike, and I appreciate you making the time, man. Man, I'm excited to be here. Um, It's just been great getting to know you over the last six months and um, just excited to do this. Yeah, and I'm excited we have an in-person trip coming up too, so we'll be able to to hang it'll be it'll be golf season too so i bring the clubs (laughs) yeah let's do it yeah so um if if you don't mind um maybe kick it off by just giving a little background about yourself and uh really you know kind of where you are today and how you got there man let's try to sum that up quickly (laughs) so i've been married for almost 24 years man um been married to kara for a long time we were young when we got married um people you know a lot of times don't believe this but my oldest is 22, Dylan, and then Tim's uh, 21, and my daughter, Kayton, is 19, so we're almost empty nesters. But, um, you know, I've been, uh, I started my first business at the age of 24, almost out of necessity because I was a wage slave and, you know, realized that I didn't have the freedom that Kara and I had really, um, you know, we we started dating in high school and we talked about, you know, life. And that's one thing that Kara and I have always done well is just created a vision for ourselves and always forward looking. And at the age of actually 23, um, we were just out of balance, man. I was working literally a hundred plus hours a week running a project. I was out of town. She's pregnant with our third child. And that's what really, you know, caused us to take the leap into full-time entrepreneurship. Wow. Um, I, growing up, man, I did not, I did not really, you know, map this out and say, Hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't the guy that was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of my life running businesses. It was really just that awakening when I realized I didn't have my freedom that kind of led us into that uh, journey of entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's that's wild. Yeah, you guys did start young. I didn't know you guys are high school sweethearts too. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. pretty wild. <laughs> um, so you started uh, a company. How'd that first one go? It was great. Um, you know, it's wild because um, I was 24 years old. I was actually a plumber. You may or may not know that too, but I was literally a plumber working in the field. I started a plumbing and heating business. Sean, I was so naive to business. I didn't know anything about, you know, accounting, sales, marketing, which Sean, you'd probably still say, I don't know much about marketing, but that's why, <laughs> that's why we got you on, on staff. But, uh, um, anyway, I, I didn't know much about running businesses, man. And so I think the one thing that really separated us, uh, 
you know, every chance I got, I was hiring consultants. Um, I was hiring people that were smarter than me. Everybody loves to say this, you know, if you're, if you're the smartest guy in the room, find a bigger room. But like, I was forced to do this at such a young age. And to answer your question, how did that first business go? We were on the Inc. fastest growing companies in America in 2009. We doubled our revenue every year. I never had an unprofitable year. Um, and I ended up, you know, over a hundred employees. I sold that business uh, in 2014. And along the way, started investing in real estate prior to selling that business. And that's kind of how I got into um, the real estate side of things. So it went pretty well. <laughs> that's awesome. And um, I think um, I think from where I am, which is in a much more humble position than a hundred employees, but we're on the way there. Um, I, I really want to explore what you said about hiring consultants and making sure you're not the smartest in the room. Um, I, I heard recently that, you know, like if you're doing the work and it's only as scalable as your work, you're not really an entrepreneur. And I don't care what the real definition of entrepreneurship is, but I like that concept of like, if you're not building a team, building processes and things around you, then, you know, you're, um, you're not building an asset really. You're still trading your time for money which we'll get into, but it's not the way to wealth. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just, just recently I started just realizing like, hey, like I know what I'm good at, but like there's a lot of things that other people are way better than me at, even like, especially in the exact marketing world. So whether it's um, things that I'm executing for clients or consultants helping me, you know, run the business, I found that to be successful. Um, how'd you, how, how would you go about exploring different consultants or coaches or whoever um you know is going to help you out so lead with your need and i know that sounds um you know super simple but most people are not really clear on what it is that they actually need or what their weaknesses are and i think that's one thing that's always been a skill set of mine if we can actually look at it from the opposite side and just get really clear on what your one mm -hmm. two three real core skill sets are and then start i literally make a list three column list and what, what are the things that only Mike can do? And so I think just getting really clear on the, you know, the top three things that only Mike, only Sean, only the audience can really do clearly, that's going to help you define the things you need to outsource. And then the second part of that is just ask around. I mean, referrals, referrals, referrals. I, I take my time when it comes to, you know, picking vendors or team members, et cetera. So once you identify what is it that you need, then get really clear on who's the person that's best suited for this and really take the time because, you know, I've made hiring mistakes. I've brought on the wrong vendors. And a lot of this is out of lack of knowledge and experience. And, you know, I don't necessarily look at that as failure. I look at that as just learning, but getting really clear on what your skill sets are. And then number two, who is it that I need in my world? And like I said, referrals from other people are probably the best way to get that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, uh, I, couldn't agree, you know, any anymore. I mean, I'm just, I'm just tipping my toe in the water. But as I start to like ask around, it's crazy. It's like I, so I'm looking to hire a full time sales rep. I realize that's something that I don't need to be doing. I can assist them. I can train on, and it takes up a lot of time. Um, and I actually, my, I like to serve clients. Like that's that's what you know lights me up. Um, I literally sent one text. I said, Hey, like, would, would you know someone that did this immediately? They said, yes. Like I sent one text connected with the guy about 10 minutes later, we were on a call, like from the, the initial text. And, I, and it's this guy, Bobby. I love this guy, Bobby. He has experience. He's passionate. Like it, it's, it seems like it's a perfect fit. I'll probably check out a few more just cause, but it's funny how sometimes the world gives you what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, I do really think, um, 
I don't want to overlook, and I don't want the audience to overlook what you said about like getting clear on your needs. And the fact that you hand write it down, I, I really enjoy that because I think a lot of people will say like, oh, I'm getting clear on my needs. It's this, this, and this, and they're thinking about it. But it's like, if you write it down, it needs to make sense when you write something down versus when you think about it, you can kind of make logical jumps. Um, and it's a little more of a formal exercise, I would say. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about your mindset around money and what financial freedom really is. So my mindset around money actually started at a really young age. And again, I don't know if we've even spoken about this, but I, I grew up, my, my dad, my real dad was, um, he was an alcoholic. He was a drug addict. He was in and out of my life. He would disappear for, you know, seasons at a time. I didn't know where he was as a little guy. And honestly, just growing up with nothing. Um, I think, you know, this happens, you hear a lot of people's stories like this, the majority of people that, um, you know, are successful and looking for something, they either have a chip on their shoulder or they're just wanting to break out of something. And for me, it was just breaking out of it. I don't have a chip on my shoulder. I don't have anything to prove. For me, it was just really about, you know, seeing so many experiences that taught me from a negative perspective what I didn't want in life. And honestly, going to McDonald's was a huge deal for me when my grandma would like take me to McDonald's like every six or eight weeks. Like getting that little Lego toy was just an amazing experience. And, you know, I, I talk about this a lot, Sean, but relationships, experiences, and memories. Right. And those are the things when I look backwards that are really important to me, like getting that little Lego in the Happy Meal. Like that was a huge experience to me. And, and I just started realizing that, you know, it takes resources in life to do anything that you really want to do. And I think we have it backwards sometimes. You know, I've got a vision board with the nice cars and the nice watches. And, you know, Karen and I have a beautiful house. But really, at the end of the day, it isn't about any of that. I've been just as happy when we're living in a, you know, a, literally a garage at times um, as, as I was, you know, living in the house that we live in today. So it's never really about money for me. It's really about the type of life that I want to live and who I want to be with. Mm, I I, I, I really um, respect that. And it's cool. It's cool, you know, I've, as I've got to know you to see how you live that out. And actually, when I got a chance to speak to Kara a few weeks ago, she was talking about one of her biggest accomplishments was that you guys have a 19, 21, and 22 year old right now, right? Correct. She was telling me that you guys had friends over and your kids were at the dinner table and happy to be at the dinner table and around and not like, you know, looking to eat and then go hang with their friends. Like they wanted to be a part of the family. And, um, you know, that, that's like a good way to show, you know, what you actually care about and what you, you know, are putting your uh, effort into. So uh, financial freedom, I know that's a, that's a key word in your world. What does that really mean to you? Um, like what does financial freedom look like in Mike's world? So financial freedom in my world is just, and I, this is going to sound overly simplified and it is simple for most people mm -hmm. it's just not easy to do it so financial freedom to me is just being able to do what i want when i want and again i know we hear this all the time but here's a little example so one time my oldest son dylan he's got his own business and he started that business when he was like 17. and you know he went through a period of time as we all do where he was struggling and i remember telling kara i said listen i think i need to get out of town with dylan for a couple of days and so it was sunday afternoon and i said dylan you want to go skiing in park city for a few days and we'll just you know clear our head and just have some conversations he said yeah when and i said tonight you know that to me is financial freedom to be able to not have to go to work monday tuesday wednesday listen i love working but 
when I don't want to, I don't feel it. I want to take a family vacation. To me, that is freedom. And so I measure freedom in the amount of days that I can actually take off where I don't have to go to work. And this can be also in your W2 job. This could be in your investing career. It doesn't have to just be, you know, only entrepreneurs can find financial freedom. I think it's just getting our mindset straight around what actually is it for us and then planning accordingly. Most people would fall into this category. Most of us do not want to spend one or two or three years straight on a beach. We just want the ability to be able to do that. And to me, that's financial freedom. Nobody can tell me whether I can or can't go to the beach tomorrow if that's what I want. <laughs> I, I, I love it. And um, you broke it down very well. Simple, but not easy, right? It is simple. Um, I think as you were saying that, it kind of clarified my uh, definition for it as well. And it's, you know, kind of like, like still working, but on what I want, when I want, right? Um, what do you think the number one thing you need to be able to work when you want, you know, and on what you want is? I, the number one thing that I think you need in order to have that freedom is to really just identify what is it for you? Because mm -hmm. it's really not, your monetary figure is something different than mine. What yeah. you want in life is something completely different than what I want. And for one person, it could be making 50,000 a year. And mm. for another person, it could be 500 or 5 million. The comparison problem is really the thief in all of this. Mm. And I think it's really just getting back to what is it that you really actually want? And again, this is simple, but it's really hard to define yeah. because we're human. And at the end of the day, I think it's just getting really clear on what is it that Sean wants? What is it that Mike wants? And then just yeah. keeping that in front of you until you decide that it's changed or it's something different. And it probably will, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've already experienced that a little. And I'm glad I asked it that way because I realized I asked it in a way that wasn't actually what I meant. But I love to hear that answer um, because I, I, I do agree. I think everyone has different financial needs. Um, I guess what I was trying to ask was a little bit more about, do you need, um, people say, you know, I, I want residual income. I need my money to work for me. Um, I need a business where, you know, I'm removed. What, what types of things do you think um, you need to really have that financial freedom? Like, uh, not from a, a monetary standpoint, more like a, um, a system standpoint. So, depending on what it is that you need i actually do think that most of us need some sort of recurring you know whether it's monthly recurring revenue um, whether it's passive income when it comes to real estate i think that we do ultimately need that in order to reach probably the goals that we really want but we don't start there and i think that's the big problem most people don't get moving because they're stuck on you know the left side of the grand canyon and they want to get to the right side and it's just such this big you know vast undertaking that we just don't get moving and so i think it's really just taking little little steps toward that and mm. and moving toward the goal and so nobody's going to wake up ever and have you know ten thousand dollars a month in recurring revenue or a hundred thousand it's just you know start with getting a hundred and then a thousand and then ten thousand so i do think some level of passive or recurring revenue is really helpful is it necessary no i know some people that have a w-2 job that are very very happy and they take a lot of time off every year and they've just planned it accordingly. So I don't think you have to have it, but I sure think it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I agree. I, the first thing that comes to my mind is, yeah, re residual passive income. Um, when I just think about that. Uh, and I think 
what what then you know then trying to like funnel it down my brain goes next to some sort of ownership owning stocks owning investments owning a business some sort of ownership seems like it, it's it lends itself towards you know that uh passive you know passive income because you know um naval rafikant is is like a little financial guru that i like to listen to and he talks about how everything in business and generating revenue is about leverage and you can leverage your time you can leverage your money you can leverage your media um, code that you wrote like for a software and whatever it is i as long as time really isn't the one you're leveraging then you have time right <laughs> um and that's you know that's something that it, it is easier said than done and for me in my business mike like i've just been making every decision with my end goal in mind so my end goal is to help people and businesses that i like i call mission-driven businesses um, expand their impact and their reach on the world right so I'm, I'm a big fan of uh let's get a lot of opinions out there so i like small mid-sized businesses big fan of health and wellness very much like in a vague sense right like i consider anything related to self-development you know that that's health and wellness like i just want to help what i what passes the gut test for me as good people um but i i really do want to do it in a way that I can serve the people that I'm working with at a high quality and I can really be free with my time. And what I've started doing is every decision I make, even decisions like how I'm going to word this email, am I going to accept this meeting invite um, with the end goal in mind? And I realized like I started writing uh, emails. I feel like Tim Ferriss in the four hour work week, but I started writing emails where like a response is not required. So my email doesn't get full like hey you know i think this um if you agree like you can do this if, if you don't agree you know you can do this if you really have a question about it like check out this document and if you're still confused you know let me know <laughs> and you know it's funny or like even today i had a, a very important client um you know reach out and ask about like hey can we hop on a call today uh and i said you know like you know what's it about i just want to make sure i'm prepared and all that they're like we just want to chat real quick i was like you know like what uh, if you could share what it's about, you know, let me know and we can get like an agenda and just make sure a call is needed and it's urgent. We should have it today because I just realized um, saying no is really hard for me, mm. but I, I, it's, it's a quality that a lot of people have is they know where to spend their time and where not to spend their time. And the person actually got back to me and said, like, um, you know, honestly, what they said, Mike, was Sean, like there's two areas um, that you're working with us that we're not really satisfied with. And I want to chat about it. And I said, there you go. That's urgent. Let's hop on a call, you know? Um, and I said, send over your notes beforehand. I'll review them thoroughly and let's chat. And, um, you know, so you can say yes to things, but I think kind of putting up a little guard sometimes is good as well. Yeah. You know, I think on that note too, like I, I really try to compartmentalize this because, you know, you're, you're a student of life and business and efficiency and leverage. Um, and I think that's a good thing, but so many people out there, I, I have conversations with doctors, lawyers, high net worth business owners all the time. And I would say 20% of them um, really, they're really clear on what it is exactly that they want when it comes to like financial freedom. And a lot of times we just find this journey where we've, we've gone down this path, whether it started in high school, college, whatever it was, we became a doctor and we just wake up one day and we're there. And then we start down this journey of like, 
do I want to do something different? Do I want to shift? And I think there's this whole passion conversation around business, entrepreneurship, et cetera, that we really need to confront head on because I'll tell you what, there's a lot of days that I'm not passionate about certain businesses that I run. Yeah. And I think it's just really getting clear on, you know, what, what are we going to do to leverage those things out in our life? And it could even be just investing. It could be, you know, certain skill sets. It could be time. And very few of us have really figured out fully how to be successful with working 20, 30 hours a week and learning to say no. So I think it's a great skill set that we need to learn more and more. But most people don't know how to do what you just said. I don't. I'm working on it. <laughs> and um, when you said the word compartmentalize, I'm not sure if this is what you're getting at. But what I've realized is um, you really need to be hyper. I think awareness is like one of the most important things in life, um, just to maintain high level of awareness to everything. And I realized I need to like compartmentalize it because there are times where, you know, I don't need my, my guard up. You know what I mean? Like Saturday afternoon, like if we're just hanging out, it's like if someone says something that might take time. Cool. You know, like you need to be able to like flip the switch off and um, just kind of you know enjoy. But um, I, I do think having the, the control to flip that switch on is, is important. Um, you know, you were talking about, you're talking about, monthly recurring revenue from passive income streams and it got me thinking like it seems like most people would say having financial freedom and freedom over my time would be something i'd like um i would say that everyone would enjoy it uh and if they don't you know maybe they're uh they're maybe hiding something or whatever but that's my gut feel my question is if we have this goal that most people want and would probably rank at a really high priority of passive income and financial freedom where do you think people are just like missing the boat like fundamentally um yeah I, I'm, I'm wondering where people miss the boat on trying to get to financial freedom time. time people are missing it on time and we live in a day and age where everybody wants everything like now we live in an efficiency world you know you can you can have dinner delivered to you literally from any restaurant right now with you know uber eats doordash it's time when karen and i set our first goal for passive income i was running a business i probably had you know 40 employees at this point in time and we set a goal of two income producing properties a year for 10 years so my big first goal when it came to passive income was to buy 20 rental properties over 10 years and the day and age that we live in with all the gurus, passive income, real estate, make life simple, there's a lot of, you know, people are, people are selling something. I mean, and that's the thing at the end of the day that I, it's gonna take time to build that passive income. And so when we, I literally committed to 10 years for 20 rental properties. And Sean, the way that I was thinking about that at the age of 25, I was 25 years old. I thought, man, if I can get 20 properties over the next 10 years, by the time I'm 65, and still working in this plumbing and heating business, I'll have 20 properties that are paid for and I can retire off that. <laughs> in this day, people are not thinking about retirement. We're not thinking about 10, 15, 20 years from now. And I think that's where they're missing it. Monthly recurring revenue, passive income is not an overnight game. This is a long game. I appreciate that message. It's not a common one. Thank you. Um, and you know, it's funny. I'm 29 years old and I have already had times where um, COVID hit. I started living nomadically a few months before, then it became a trend. And I remember thinking I should buy a rental property, but you know, where the time's not right, blah, 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 you know, just, 
just meandering around, not taking action. It's been three years now, and I've seen properties in Bend that I had my eye on that I've looked back, you know, increase 70%, right? And and the Bend, Bend Oregon's real estate market like is ridiculous right now. But, you know, that, and that's, you know, but I like, I really saw a property that I wanted increase 70%, right? That would have been life changing for me right now. Um, and I do think they're like, setting goals allows you to take action. And that's something I love about goal setting um, is, you know, it just, it kind of forces action versus, you know, inaction and procrastination. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I I like that, you know, goal setting, I'm going to add taking action in there, but also, you know, having like a long duration because, you know, it's been three years, you were talking about 40 years out. It's been three years, I would have already seen massive, you know, success from it. And, you know, you want to take calculated risks for for sure, but um, I do think you need to take the risks. You said something earlier too about you know building assets, and usually it takes some level of a business ownership, etc. And I agree with that a hundred percent. You can do it with a job. Like if anybody in the audience is listening, you can do it with a W two job. The problem is it goes back to that short sightedness. Not that that house that you were looking at, I I guarantee you almost any house that you're looking at today or any investment property, really, if you go five to 10 years down the road, that property is going to be worth more in five to 10 years from now than it is today. The problem is that short-sightedness, you know, we're concerned about what's going to be happening one year, two years, three years from now. And Sean, I don't know what's going to happen one to three years from now either. That's why we're investing in shorter term things right now. But when I take a long view on investing, I know that anything that I invest in today is going to be worth more 10 years from now than it is today. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I'm, 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 I'm going to take that as, uh, a mental note for me to act on what I've been procrastinating on for three years. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about what you're, uh, what, what you're investing in now and a little bit about your business, because I think the model is beautiful. I've actually looked at it before we knew each other, not your company, but um, companies structured similarly. Right. Um, so, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you're, yeah, what you're doing today. So we have a syndication structure, it's called, or you know, a lot of people would know it as a fund. And basically, to make that simple, it's a group of accredited investors that come together and we pool our money into a certain asset class. And so my primary asset class right now is manufactured housing. And Sean, I haven't bought any assets since 2019 because we were focused on distressed properties and we bought you know, a, a, a pretty good sized portfolio of them. And now we're just focused on getting these things turned around. And so right now we're focused on short-term debt, 12 to 24 month loans from investors, um, just getting these properties turned around. Um, we do we do invest in other assets. I've got a luxury vacation rental fund. Um, you know, so many people out there, we talked about this, but high net worth individuals, busy you know, owners of companies, they don't necessarily wanna go out and start a luxury vacation rental fund, but every time they go rent one, they're like, man, how can I get invested in this? And how can I get the tax benefits? Well, the idea of investing with a group of investors in a fund, that's how you get the benefits of exposure to the asset class, get your money working to you, for you. Yeah. you, you get the tax benefits, but that's essentially what we do. We just pull investor money together and go buy good assets. I, I love it. And it, it, I think there's like, there's a tremendous service in there for people that are, you know, looking and don't necessarily know exactly how or what to do with it. Um, so 
I want to uh, I want I want to kind of trace it back to the the comment you made about um, relationships, experiences, and memories. Was that? Yep. Um, it seems like that had a like a like a big message behind it like almost like that's like what you're on you know earth to do <laughs> i'd love to hear what relationships experiences and memories really um mean to you and where they are on your priority list <laughs> you know when when i'm on my deathbed and when you're on your deathbed i don't think you're going to be thinking about you know the amazing houses that you owned the great businesses that you owned i think you're going to be thinking about the employees that were in those businesses you're going to be thinking about the memories that you had in those houses you're going to be thinking about the experiences that you were able to have when you traveled to dubai with your family or friends and and so at the end of the day like i again i think it's really simple it's just not easy all we really care about people say this all the time what's what's the purpose of life and i guarantee you it's not a bigger house it's not a bigger boat it's not a better car it's not a faster car it's about the relationships and the people that you meet along the way. And we just tend to overlook that. And, and I think a lot of times when we're really looking for those, there's nothing wrong with any of that, by the way. I love nice planes. I love nice houses. I love great experiences. But really, if you're gonna go do that alone, just take inventory, ask yourself, when was the last time that you went out on a trip alone that you really, really enjoyed yourself unless you're out on a hike or some kind of intentional three-day trip or something? For the most part, our best experiences in life are those that we share with other people. Mm. And at the end of the day, that's why it's relationships, experiences, and memories. <laughs> I love that. I love that. REM. It's a good band, too. <laughs> it is a good band. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It is. It's funny because we, we really, it, it really makes, again, I'm just going off of what was coming to my mind now, but it's starting to make me think about reallocating, you know, certain time into different buckets, right? Because, um, yeah, like, you know, I'm not going to look back and be like, man, I sent 10 years of great emails, like, you know, or, you know, I really set up that business. Well, it's, you're right. It's more about like, um, what that gives you. And there is definitely, like, I, I don't want to take it away. Like, we're just take, looking at it from like a business mindset. But whether it's a business and you have a great service or whether you're in a creative role and you get to write or make music, like, the work itself can be a memory and experience and can be stuff with people. But it's, um, it like, make, making money isn't what it's all about, you know? And, and I totally get that. And we spoke a little before the show and you mentioned... Um, you mentioned that money is a form of energy. Do you think you can expand on that? Because that is a topic that I I really love. Um, and I want I want to, like you said, you know, money's not real. Money's just a form of energy. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts behind that. When I was a contractor, we used to trade certain things, and there was no monetary transaction, and that was like the easiest way for me to understand, like hey i'll do the plumbing in your house if you will do the electrical in mine there's no monetary transaction in that whatsoever and i think we've lost sight of it money money is actually just a tool of measurement and you said energy but it's just something to measure what i'm giving you versus what you're giving me and that's where the energy component of that comes in but as a contractor or doing 
trade for work. Um, I think that's the easiest way for us to think about this. Um, if you're going to help me move and then I help you move next weekend, there's no monetary transaction there, but there was still value added. Yeah. And I think that that's what we miss out at the end of the day. Even if I have employees, I love employees. And by the way, we spend the majority of our time with our employees. So this is not like a, I'm not saying that, you know, relationships and experiences and memories mean that I spend 15 hours a day with those that matter most to me. That's not really the, it, sometimes it's not balance and we live through different seasons, but when yeah. it comes to energy and transactions, it's really just some kind of measure. And that's, we've got to pay attention to that at the end of the day, because money doesn't exist. It's not real. It's crazy to think that, but yeah, it is, it isn't real. And I think I shared with you before the call that I used to have visions as like a little kid about like, why, like, why can't we just live without money? Like I will happily do something, you know, and when I was a kid, I used to think like, just for like an IOU, like, you know, I'll do something for you. And you know, when I need help down the road, just help me out. It doesn't need to be the exact amount of time or energy or value. Like just, you know, if you have the time and the ability, help me out. And you know, it's funny because uh, as I as I grew older, like I still have a similar vision, but I've I realized, you know, help people without that, uh, without even needing something in return, right? Like, and it's funny. It's like I'm, you know, happy to help out and do something, and you don't ever need, you know. I, I actually would almost prefer if you didn't like feel indebted and just received it fully and just said thank you so much, Sean. That really made my day because like. You know, again, relationships makes me feel good that I'm able to make you feel good. Um, so I just, I, I, I do, um, I do like where your head's at with this. Well, um, and yeah. one of one of the things that I'll say quickly on that, the reason why money is challenging sometimes is because it's literally was designed to keep score, and it doesn't have to be that way. But if you think backwards, if you were a cattle farmer and I was a chicken farmer, and one cow equals 200 chickens, that was really hard to account for. And so they had to create some sort of measurement. And when you fast forward to today, that's why money was created first and foremost. I mean, seashells, tulips, whatever it is. But if you look at today, banks are literally just a ledger. And I don't want to go off on a tangent when it comes to like Bitcoin, but literally Bitcoin is a great example of this conversation when it comes to energy, because Bitcoin is just a complex ledger that's more pure than a banking ledger. And when we're talking about all the th issues that are going on today in a bank, money doesn't even exist anymore. They're just digits in different people's bank accounts. And so again, money was designed to keep score because it's complex in measuring each other. And that's why it can have a negative feeling around it too, because literally it's keeping score. Yeah. And that's, yeah, <laughs> that is weird. You know, there's a, uh, because life's not a, a negative sum or a zero sum game, you know? It's a positive sum game. You can win and I can win, but we're definitely definitely wired to think like, oh, I need to put Mike down so I can level up, right? Like sports are a zero-sum game. Someone has to win, someone has to lose, right? Um, status is a zero-sum game. There's only one person at the top, you know, so that is, uh, that is weird. What are your thoughts on Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies in general? Um, in, in general, in the long run, I love it. I think the technology is going to change so many industries. Um, I think, again, it makes it, here's the crazy thing about it. The reason why there's so much resistance to it is because it takes the money and and makes it equal. It like literally balances the energy around it. We don't need banks if we have Bitcoin. We don't need the Federal Reserve if we have Bitcoin. And that's 
that's where it's going to get really interesting because the banking cartel, the Wall Street cartel, um, they're going to do everything they possibly can to stop this. Even in real estate, you know how many billions of dollars in transactions are going to be saved because uh, of the ledger? We don't mm -hmm. need title companies. We don't need title insurance. We don't need entire courthouses that are full of documents like listing you know, 200 years of who owned title to this property if we had the ledger. So I think in the long run, it's going to be amazing, but I think there's a big uphill battle um, to it being good. And so I'm, yeah. not, I'm not a big speculator. I'm going to always have some of my wealth in it. Um, but to me, it's a small percentage at this point in time because I don't know if it's five years or 50. Yeah, yeah, I think that's super fair. Um, it makes me it makes me think, and I don't know if you're comfortable answering this question, but if you had ten thousand, twenty thousand, fifty thousand dollars to invest in April of two thousand twenty-three, what would be an asset class or an area that you would want to focus on? I'm. I believe we're in a time of preservation of capital, so we need to, you know, every dollar that you've earned, you earned. Um, you earned it. So I would be investing in things right now that are shorter term. As I said earlier, I'm convinced that five to 10 years from now, real estate will perform well. Um, but $50,000, if I had $50,000 right now, I would put it somewhere that's backed by real assets. Um, you know, income funds are my favorite. We have an income fund, so I'm a little biased when it comes to this, but putting it into short-term notes that are backed by real estate is probably one of the things that I would look at. And if you're not comfortable enough with that yet, just start investing in your education. And I would put it into a short-term six-month treasury right now because those things are you know, producing four and a half percent right now. You're getting 0.08% in the bank. So if you don't understand investing in real estate notes and you're not comfortable with that, then put it into a treasury or something until you you know, educate yourself. So mm, I, I, I love that. And you know, um, well, two, two things. I actually want you to expand a little bit on uh, short-term notes but um, you said, you know, like, like putting it into like a six month treasury, get your 4%, 5% and um, invest in your education. I've always looked at money and investing like it has to be on a sheet of paper, right? Mm -hmm. um, meaning, okay, I have $1,000, where can I put it so I can get to $2,000, right? Like where, where I can then say this $2,000 came from this $1,000. I would say that the two best investments I've made in the last five years was going on a wellness retreat and hiring a life coach, which boy, oh boy, you cannot say <laughs> this money came exactly from here. In my gut, I kind of can feel it and I kind of know it. Um, but I think investing in sometimes yourself in skill sets in a, whether that's a consultant to your business, whether that's a much needed vacation or, uh, a retreat where you're working on yourself or a coach, whatever, even, you know, personal trainer. Um, but like, uh, you know, I think that's, I think that's a cool concept in investing in your own education. Um, I don't, is that kind of what you meant by it? Like, um, you know whatever it is, a real estate investing course or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Whatever it is you're interested in. And I'll tell you, it doesn't have to be $50,000. The book that I've got several books that have changed my life, but the richest man in Babylon is like a 110 page book. And I've literally read or listened to it over a hundred times. And it is some of the best investing money advice that exists. 
and it's like a nine dollar book so um yeah investing in your education can be so many different things but yes it could be a course it could be a mastermind it could be a community it could be a book yeah thanks for making it so accessible to everybody right because i think um, we're, we're naturally want to set excuses our ego wants to protect itself most people say oh i can't do that i can't afford that but yeah that's an eight dollar book start start a start an audible free trial and you can get it for free <laughs> Um, I have a note. I'm going to read it. Haven't I haven't come across that? Um, okay, so I do I do want to hear a little bit about you know it's April 2023. You're recommending 12 to 24 month um, you know like short term notes that are backed by real estate. Can you just tell us a little bit about what that is and and why you would start there right now? Well, and specifically, note investing is not a simple concept. So again, you're going to need to do a little bit of education around this. And even so many of our investors are passive investors. They're high net worth individuals, they're business owners, they're literally accredited. And for those that don't know what that is, it means they've made $250,000 a year for the last two years with the likelihood of continuing that or 300,000 as a couple. And, or they have a million dollars of net worth without their uh, personal residence. And by the way, I would study accredited investor and what that means and why, because there are so many investments out there that are reserved for accredited investors only. And the reason why is because the government says that if you've made this amount of money, then you are big enough, mature enough, knowledgeable enough to be able to invest in things that everyday people can't get access to. So I would really, you know, if I was gonna set a benchmark for myself, it would, a monetary benchmark, it would be to figure out how do I get to accredited investor status? Because so many people have access to these investments that others don't. Um, most people just put their money into Wall Street, like 401k, that kind of thing. And it's it's a zero-sum game, as you said earlier. And I call it the Wall Street cartel because the people that are making all the money are the people that are paying the fees, charging the fees on Wall Street, not the person that's investing the money. And so the reason why I love these notes to answer your question, it's backed by real assets. It's something that you can get into for shorter periods of time, in this case, one to two years. So you have a real asset behind it. You're, you're getting better than normal interest rates. Like I said earlier, you can get 4.5% in the treasury or you can get 12% on a short-term one-year note that again is backed by real estate, meaning there's a piece of real estate that guarantees that loan. And so if, they, if you don't get paid, you can go through a process of um, being part of the repossession of that property. Mm. Interesting. That's awesome. So yeah, I really, I really like that. And you know, again, I think goals are important. It's not that if you have $50,000, you're going to boom, be happy and free, but you know, that's a great goal. Put that out there and it opens new doors. So, um, something that I'll try to include in the show notes as well, um, as well as some things on short term, short term notes backed by real estate. Um, cause I do think, you know, all you see on the news is the market's going down, the housing market inflation's up, blah, 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 you know, and it's, it never ends. And, um, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of clarity around that is awesome. Um, you know, I, I know, uh, I know we're going to wrap up here soon, Mike, but one thing that I wanted to ask you is, um, just any final, any final notes you had around, around, uh, the concept you said in the beginning, we started the way beginning, you started talking about your story. I was working a hundred hours a week. I had three kids. I was 23 years old. I saw a post from you on social media, you know, I, I had, I saw it maybe 20 times because uh, I saw the raw version, the edited version, the posted version. Um, and you were, you were saying that until the pain of the, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this, but you know where I'm going. The pain of the position that you're in, take it from here. <laughs> yeah. Until the pain of your current situation becomes more painful than what it's gonna take to change that situation, you're not gonna do anything about it. Hmm. And so many people just live their life because they they know they're stuck, they know they're unhappy, but they also don't want to put in the work. And again, I'll come back to the period of time that we live in. You quoted Naval Ravikant earlier, and I love Naval because you know he breaks it down into bite-sized chunks. But the reality is, he is he is a like a diehard component of you know it's going to take time, it's going to take work, it's going to take desire. And in this day and age, people want things yesterday. And again, it's full, we're, the world is full of coaches and consultants that are giving you a get rich quick you know, solution to your problem. And the reality is people have tried that and it didn't work. This doesn't work. Well, it's because you didn't stick with it because you thought it was <laughs> going to be easy because you thought it was going to be some microwave method to wealth. And if you talk to anybody who's successful and wealthy and has achieved their goals, then they're going to tell you it took a lot of clarity and work and failure and tenacity. And I... I've failed more than most people will probably fail in their life, but I just keep getting up and I just keep going. And I think people think that, you know, it's going to be easy. And so the first time they hit a roadblock, they start crying and they just quit because they thought it was going to be easy because some guru told them that this is the simple 15 step method to wealth and that just doesn't exist. And so again, the one thing that I would say is if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. If it was easy, everybody would be wealthy. And the reality is there's going to be pain along the way and you're just going to have to get better and you're going to have to keep getting up and you're going to have to keep learning along the way. Thank, thanks for that, Mike. And, you know, you uh, going through this discussion, it, it started getting me realizing that I like to read a lot of um, self-help books, books on happiness, books on psychology, philosophy, uh, yoga, like ancient yoga practice, stuff like that, which are great and I enjoy them. Um, I also love the discussion that people have. That it's like basically like an internal dialogue they're sharing with you. But I do think there's also a need to be to also be reading at the same time um, things that are a little more hard education, right? Like like economics books, you know, books on finances, books on hard science, things like that. Because I feel like that, uh, and this is another Naval thing, but I feel like that's like the root of a lot of this. Um, and I find myself getting away from that. And it's probably because that's the easy decision. Let me read about this guy's life. You know, it's like, you know, it's fun to go on his journey and then see how he was successful at the end and and hope the same thing happens for me. But um, something that I'm going to start doing is, dude, even if it's 10 minutes a day, 10 pages a day, whatever, you know, pick, pick up a book on finances. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that I got away from this is, you know, um, take the time, learn, because uh, if you if you don't learn it yourself, like, you know, it's not going to happen over the long run, right? It's, it might, you know, and, and that's what we're looking at is the long run here. So I also appreciate your message around patience, Mike, and uh, the way that you make becoming financially free a little more accessible to people, right? Even if it starts with your investment as a $9 book in your education. So thank you so much, Fat, and thank you for making the time. Yeah, man, I'm happy to do it. And I love what you said about the $9 education too, because yeah, there's a ton of self-help books, but the reality is I think we need to read more, you know, get shit done books. And The Richest Man in Babylon, one of the principles is a 10th of all you make is yours to keep. And most people are not going to put aside 10% to invest in. So that's just a great example to wrap it up. Like it, it's not easy. You just got to, you got to just do the work.
do the work, enjoy the process too. You know, um, that's it, it's funny. Five five a.m. today, I was deadlifting, and I was like working. I was there with my buddy, and my buddy's one of those people that um, cool, really cool guy. But uh, I think I look into this stuff because I you could tell I kind of like this stuff. I think to like make himself feel good. He makes it seem like our workout is like so hard. Like he does a set, he's like, "Oh my god, my legs are crushed. Like this is such a hard workout." And he's not like down. Like he's not really down. He's more just like, "Dude, how hard is this?" Right? Or like, and and I'm just like, "No, man, this is like like I woke up stoked for this. Like this is what we're here to do." And like when you fall in love with the process, like then it's like you know, staying in shape becomes like an easy thing. And I think it's the you know. Um, it seems like you've been able to do that in many areas of your life. So you need to extrapolate that, that principle all over. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Mike, I love chatting with you, man. I, I, I'm, I'm glad we got to do this because a lot of it, a lot of the times we just get snippets of your wisdom or I get to see it on a screen, but it was nice to experience it. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. It was a ton of fun. Hey, thank you for watching today's episode. If you got something out of this, it would mean so much if you could just take a second and give us a rating on whatever platform you're watching it on. And it would mean so much to the world if you could just find one person that you think this message resonates with and you can share that with them. Thank you so much for your support. Looking forward to share the next episode with you.